Well, good morning and welcome to Live a Life by Design, the Monday morning weekly podcast to give you an empowering message to start your day and build a better life. What an honor today I have with me as a special guest, my good friend, Dr. Matt Judkins. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Jimmy. It's good to be here with you this morning. Man, I tell you, I have been waiting to get this gentleman in the studio just so I can visit with him for a few minutes over his life. He has been a very positive influence on me in the community, as well as I know a lot of youth and a lot of my friends that attend his church locally. So I'm going to ask him some really tough questions today. And, and Matt, would you like to know if there's a right or wrong answer? You bet. Well, there's not one. <laughs> so you just tell me what's going on in your world. And I want right. to start with, you were raised in a very small town in Oklahoma called Buffalo Valley. Yep, yep. What's it like being raised in Buffalo Valley, Oklahoma? Well, actually, I was raised outside in the suburbs of Buffalo Valley. There's a little <laughs> community about halfway between Buffalo Valley and Tallahanna called Falfa. And, um, you know, welcome to Falfa and now leaving Falfa are on the back of the same post. I think. It's, <laughs> it's real tiny. And, uh, man, it's just a great place to grow up out in the country and, you know, raised on a farm, cows, chickens, all kinds of animals and good place to have a childhood. You know, you and I have a lot in common. I, uh, I too was raised in the greatest part of the country called rural Oklahoma. Yep. yep. Uh, my father, I said on a previous podcast, had a theory about us as children. I'm, I'm the youngest of six. So he had a theory, Matt. He said that if you've got time to breathe, you've got time to work. I mean, we always there had something go. to do on the farm. Yep. yep. So let me ask you this, friend, uh, what hobbies do you participate in that uh, keep you in the best shape to serve your family and your congregation today? Well, that's a good question. And and I think it's really important because, you know, whatever you do in life, you, you really have to take care of yourself. And um, I have just started doing CrossFit here in the community and um, been doing that close to three months now. And uh, that that's had a real positive impact on my life. And um gives me something to look forward to and, and something to look forward to being done with after it's over, you know? Um, but that's one of the things I do. I, I like to read and, and that's, that's another hobby I have. And the rest of the time, I'm just kind of keeping up with my kids and, and, uh, doing that sort of thing. Wonderful. You, I, well, you probably know I'm a big CrossFit fan myself. Yep. I'm a, I'm an L1 a CrossFit trainer. So I, yep. a man, I love this stuff. And, uh, uh, just for those in our audience listening, uh, Matt's a lot younger than me. He looks a lot more cut than me, but we <laughs> old guys have to work a little harder at everything, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell me this. So um, I have a big uh, big theory of routine set a day for success. Yeah. Uh, I'm certain you probably have certain routines on your, your what I consider congregation days, and you have routines probably on your days in which you're not going to speak. Um, give me a little breakdown. What is your basic routine on a day like today? Yeah, so my routine doesn't vary a whole lot on my days off from from the days that I work. Um, right now, just because of our schedules, I'm getting up really early. I, I go to the 5 a.m. CrossFit class, so get up at 4.15 so I can have some coffee and, and sit for a little bit before I get up and going, and uh, then go work out. And after that, I'll come home, and while the family's still uh, asleep or, or getting ready, I'll I'll pray and read the Bible. And, and for me, that's, that's really important to, to get the important things in first and uh, start your day off on the right note. And so, you know, even, even before I go to work or, or right after I get to work, if I get there before everybody else, that's, that's what my routine looks like. And um, then on my days off, you know, I, I try to do the same thing for the most part in terms of, you know, starting off with some time with God and, and uh, really focusing on what's important to me. 
then over the course of the rest of the day, it kind of depends on the day of the week, you know, um, ministry is, is, is great in that there's never, there's never really a routine. Um, I, I kind of enjoy that. You know, you never know what you're going to encounter over the course of a day. Um, people drop in to visit, um, you know, you have different kind of activities that you're a part of. And, and so, you know, you don't get too set in, in kind of, um, going through the motions or that sort of thing, but that's kind of in general what my week looks like. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm there all throughout the day and then come back from meetings at night and get home at anywhere from seven to eight o'clock on, on meeting nights or, or nights that we have other things at the church. Um, you know, otherwise the evenings are taking kids to practice and, and finishing up homework and that sort of thing. We have three kids. And so, Got a pretty full life right now. You, you've got what's called a full house. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, I'm proud you use that term. Those big chunks are most important things. We talked about yeah. that in a previous episode, where I'm I'm trying to help people focus on those things that make the most impact in their life. Yeah. And speaking of that impact, can you give me someone that's a, a mentor to you that you've looked up to that's helped guide you in your career or coming up through the education process of your career? Yeah. Well, after my wife and I got married. We, we grew up in, in different denominations than we're a part of now. She grew up in the Catholic Church, and I grew up in the Baptist Church. And so when we got married, we really wanted to find a place that we could call ours together. And so for us, because of a few different connections, the Methodist Church just felt like home when we started going there, a, a home for both of us. And so um, my first pastor in the Methodist Church was a man named Guy Ames. And um, he was really, for me, the first pastor that I looked at and could see um, myself doing that. I, I grew up in a really small church. And so a lot of our pastors, um, to put it nicely, were mature <laughs> in age. And so I, I just couldn't really relate with that, even though even when I was a kid, I kind of felt a call to ministry. And so uh, he was someone who I looked at and I thought, you know, he's not just doing this because nothing else worked out in his life. He he could have been successful in any field. And, and he's just doing this because it's his calling and passion. And so he became a real mentor to me and, and, you know, I joined a small group with him and some other younger men. And, you know, he, he really helped me understand what God was doing in my life and heart and, and helped set me on this journey to, to ministry. And, you know, I, I really owe a lot to, to his, um, his leadership, his teaching, uh, his influence on my life. We don't use a, in the Church of the Nazarene. We don't use the term uh, gray hair or you know older or senior. What we use is the term closer to heaven. There you go. Uh, that's how we do that. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. Well, that's fantastic story. So I want to carry this forward just a little bit more. So if you could change one thing in your career, uh, what would that one thing be to make you feel more more empowered, more passionate? If if there is such a thing, I, I know you're very passionate about what you do. But what what would be that one little what I call incremental step that would take, if taken, would give you exponential growth in your field? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I love what I do, and um, so so I need to tell you a story to kind of oh good know, share share this. Um, I've talked to people in our church about calling and about careers and. Uh, I often tell the story of one of my professors in college. He he said one day when he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do, uh, he was working at home over the summer and he worked for the city of Tallahanna. And uh, while he was working, one of his jobs was to go out on the local um, sewage disposal pond and and break up all the clumps that had kind of accumulated out there. And he, he called it breaking up the floaters. And he said it was about 
98 degrees that day and he was out in a flat bottom boat doing this job. And he said, you know, I knew right then and there, I wanted to get an education. And, and I always kind of laughed about that because I thought, you know, he got away from that. And yet no matter what you do in life, there's still floaters in your job. And, that's and, and that's you a can, term I'm going to remember now, Matt. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You can focus on that or you can focus on, you know, all the things that you love to do. And so um, I say this with a little bit of caution because no matter what you do in life, there's going to be things that you don't like to do, you know, sure, cleaning toilets, sure. whatever. Right. Um, but for me, I, I wish I had more time to focus on my strengths. Um, you know, some of the things that, that kind of take away energy for me are doing paperwork and, and things that we have to file on the denominational level. And so I, I wish I had a little less of that to do. Um, but every job has those kind of things. It, it doesn't matter if it's, um, you know, financial manager, um, dentist, doctor, lawyer, pastor, we all have those things. And so, you know, I, I wish I could focus more time and energy on my strengths than, than some of the things that are kind of energy suckers, but that's just part of life. So, so Matt, I've got a solution for you. You didn't ask for it, but let me tell you what I do in this area. Cause you're right. It, even in my world and I love what I do. I, I feel like I make an impact like you in a different area sure. of a person's life. And I want to make them feel bigger about their future, better about their future and bolder about their future. And yeah. you do the same thing on a spiritual level, but I'll tell you what I do. That stuff that I really don't enjoy, but know that it's critical to making sure the tasks are done. So the job is completed. I batch them onto one day. So I am right. pumped for four days. And then I come in and go, yeah. Okay, this is the day to take the medicine, right? Right. And so I, I lock my office door, literally don't lock it, but I shut that office door, put my do not disturb on the phone, and I just make myself grind through it. That's probably not the best approach, but it works True. for me. Yeah. So, man, I encourage you on that paperwork. Put that at the 11th uh, uh, day. You have to do it and just get it done. And, yep. get it. and, you know, once we're done with those kinds of tasks, we go, well, that wasn't that bad. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's that's great advice, and I, I think you're absolutely right. So really, what I want everyone to understand is is no one has the perfect job. Right. So I, I'm I'm fortunate I get to speak all across the country for companies, associations, and groups that that ask me to come speak as a keynote speaker. And I will tell you, I love being on the stage. You can probably tell just from talking. I enjoy right. the process of creating and delivering. Not so much all the travel, to be right. truthful. I you know, and I try to sit in very comfortable plane seats. Uh, I try to stay in very nice hotels. It's still just away from my family. You know, so I'm a really what's called a front stage person. You know, when I talk to our our subscribers on this podcast, I want to let them know that, you know, not everybody has a 100% front stage. Right. I've not met an actor yet that is always front stage. He's got to go behind the scene, work yeah. on the lines, do the costume, oh, yeah. and get the stuff done, right, Matt? That's important to set the stage for a successful front stage. Absolutely. So great, great work there. So how do you maintain positivity, man, in your life? I see you around town. Everywhere I see you, you got a smile on your face. Hey, believe it or not, folks, even after CrossFit, he is sweating. He's all worn out. <laughs> but he is a positive guy. Matt, tell me yeah. what you do to stay positive. Well, I, I do think positivity is a choice. Um, you know, we, we have a tendency as human beings to kind of scan our surroundings for threat, you know, and, and kind of keep our antenna up for the negative things in life. And if you're not careful, you can magnify those negative things. And, um, and when you do that, you really stop noticing all the positive things that are going on around you. So, so for me, I think the number one practice to, to, um, kind of overcome that's gratitude, you know, just, just being thankful for, for what you have, what the Lord's done for you. Um, when I get on a funk, one of the practices I'll sometimes do is, is just, 
start out my day and, and write down three or four things that I'm grateful for. And if I do that over the course of a few weeks, I'll, I'll notice that instead of, you know, focusing on the threats, the negative things, um, I'll begin to notice all the things that are going right around me. And I think even on your worst day, there, there are things going right. And there are things that God is doing. There, there is um, grace and, and love available in your life. And so, you know, the more, the more you can be grateful for those things, the more you develop and, and cultivate an awareness of those things. Man, that is a great answer. I've, I've been a big fan of what I call a gratitude journal that I keep. Yeah, I, I do a lot of journaling anyway, and I use that as a way for me to get my mind focused, get things off my mind as well, kind of empty the file cabinet, so right. to speak, at the end of the day. But I do have a gratitude journal, and I will tell you, there are things that I write down there that are numerous times repeated. Right. And I'm going, you know, that is a really wonderful blessing to have that in my life. And that does take your mindset to a more positive area. Yeah. So so I know you are a, a fan of habits, as I am. So you said, hey, I get up at 4.15, I have that coffee, and I go work out at CrossFit. Um, I've got some habits as well, but what are your top, say, five habits that you use in your life that really make life uh, simpler, more efficient, or more effective for you? Yeah. Well, for me, and, and I know this will sound like the preacher answer, but but it's incredibly important to me, and I think... I think um, it would be beneficial for everybody to practice, and that's prayer. I mean, that's the number one habit in my life. I, I really have to create a, an awareness, not just of the positive things in life, but uh, in God, you know, and, and being connected to God and, um, you know, setting your whole day up for success for me always involves having some time in prayer. And so, you know, prayer and, and I, I would just put the, the second habit is study, you know, whether that's reading the Bible or or uh, spending time in a in a positive devotional book of some kind, or or something else that that helps me develop my faith. Uh, those are real key habits for me: um, prayer and study. Um, you know, working out and and taking care of our bodies. That's another habit that um, you know when weeks get really busy, it's interesting. You know, you would think if if you fit working out in, it would just make you tireder, but it, it's an investment. And, you know, the more you invest in keeping yourself healthy and, um, you know, practicing physical fitness in some way, I mean, that pays great dividends in your life. And so so those would be the first three. I think gratitude, like we've mentioned before, that's that's something that that when I'm really intentional about that, that that helps my life um, greatly. Um, you know, there are a lot of other things and and that are coming to mind, you know, whatever it is, spending time in community, uh, focusing on my family, those kind of things. But I think um, I I would say something that people um, maybe neglect sometimes is is making sure you you get some time to to do things that you love that aren't specifically focused on your job. And so, you know, I love I love to go fish. I love to to be out in the country and and just kind of get away from everything and. And for me, that's a, that's kind of a combination of some of the other stuff. You know, I get to spend some time alone with the Lord and, and, uh, you know, I can tell after the course of three or four weeks, if I've been working really hard and I don't take that time, I mean, scripture calls it the Sabbath and, and I think it's important to get it every week. Um, but if I don't have that, I notice my, my temper gets shorter. Uh, I, things that normally wouldn't make me frustrated or angry, they start to Kind of get on my nerves a little more, and so oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, man. Yeah. But so you're saying that even you are human? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we all need this yep. daily feeding, if you will. Oh yeah, of the spirit in our mind oh, as yeah. well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Goes stuff. for everybody. Absolutely, I love that. 
So, so let me ask you, you're a busy man. You're a dad of three children. Yep. Uh, you, you got a lovely wife. You, you've got a big congregation you have to take care of in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have duties, I'm assuming, for the, the national and the regional church and yes. districts and things. You also are very involved, I know, in our local school systems of supporting the kids from your congregation. So, wow, man, how much sleep do you get a night? <laughs> well, that's another habit that I think is pretty important for people, and, and that's not one that I'm practicing real well right now. <laughs> I, I do keep track of it because that's another thing. If if I notice I'm not getting consistent sleep, then then you know all those things I described before kind of happen. Right now, I'm getting between six and seven hours. Um, I function a lot better on eight, and so... Uh, I'll get back to that someday, but not during this season. I understand. And, and I'm going to uh, send you a book uh, home with you today to read that I'd like to lend to you. And it's called Power Sleep by mm-hmm. Dr. Charles Moss. Uh, I'm sorry, James Moss. James Moss, M-A-A-S. Uh, I read that book. It transformed my way to approaching my sleep mm-hmm. as more of a necessity as opposed to a luxury. So when yeah. I was in undergrad school, probably just similar to you, I didn't uh, really respect my sleep. I could take four hours of sleep and just keep going. But, you know, when you're 21 or 22, that's easily done. Yeah. Uh, I'm in my 50s now, and i got to be honest with you, eight hours, or uh, I'm just not as sharp as I'd like to be. Well, and and for me, you know, coming from my perspective, it's a biblical principle, too. You know, there there are so many scriptures that come to mind, but the first one I think of is, you know, God saying, be still and know that I am God. You know, God is still working even when we're asleep. And, and sometimes I think a lack of sleep is a lack of trust. We think that if we're not doing it, then it's not getting done. But if you really trust in the Lord, then you can rest and know that, you know, he's got this under control and, and you can you can relax and rest. And so uh, I think it's a pretty important principle for, for living the kind of life you're trying to encourage. Oh, I agree. And I, I got to be honest with you, in my sleep, when I wake up from a nice eight hours rest, uh, that's where I come up with ideas, creative uh, projects oh, yeah. and so forth. So so I think God kind of puts things in your mind while you're sleeping because you sure. finally got still enough and quiet to listen yep. to him, right? Yep. So I tell people, he hasn't moved. I have, right. right? Wonderful stuff. So let me ask you this. How do you allocate or, or manage your time each week serving a congregation, a community, your family? And and your congregation has some that may be of an a older state of, of age, and you have right. to visit them in hospitals. I know you do a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, how do you manage all this? Well, there's a couple things, and uh, you you kind of mentioned this before. You, you put in the big pieces first. You know, you you have to schedule the things that are essential. So, you know, making sure I stay in prayer, making sure I have time to study, making sure I'm um, taking care of my own relationship with God. Because, you know, um, when you're on an airplane, you hear you know you hear the the flight attendant stand up and say. In case of an emergency, put your own oxygen mask on first. You can't help somebody else if you're not, uh, if you don't have life in you. And so, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, um, first and foremost, I have kind of a system each week where I will go down and I take sticky notes out, and I'll write every task that I have that's sort of the secondary big tasks, and I'll put those on my desk. Uh, some people use a you know to do list or whatever, but for me, there's a, a real satisfaction in. Once I complete something, I can just crumple up that note and throw it in the trash. Um, but after that, uh, again, this is a, a answer that is for people of faith. I, I try to do my best to rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and if some, somebody keeps coming to mind, you know, I'll, I'll visit that person. If, um, if, if I, I can't get a situation off my mind, I take that as an indication God wants me to, to deal with it or, or focus on it. And so I've seen that 
really make a difference in my life over the years in ministry. Um, I know in my very first church, there was a family I was thinking about, and uh, I just couldn't quit thinking about them. And, you know, I'd prayed for them, but I thought, I need to give them a call and see what's going on. And um, called them, and they said, well, yeah, you can come over and see us. And I went over and had coffee. And, and after a little while, the the wife said, how did you know that today was an important day to come over? And I said, what do you mean? Turned out their son had been killed on that day oh, years wow. earlier. Wow. And I didn't know. You know, the Lord knew. And sure. and by being uh, attentive to God and, and being obedient to that voice, it ended up being a huge blessing. So so from a human perspective, I mean, I can't manage it all. I mean, there, there's no way. Um, but from from God's perspective, you know, we, we, we're not in this alone. We we have someone to guide us and direct us and and so, so it's a balance, you know, you use the best techniques that, that, you know, from a human perspective, but then ultimately, you know, you just got to rely on God to get it all done. That is powerful stuff. You know, and I think the key thing there you said was obedience. Yeah. The key has got to be obedience and listen for that still small voice, as I yeah. tell people uh, a lot of times. And, you know, you, you really had said something there that, in, that focused on my mind immediately when you said it is, is. I, I go ahead with those big rocks, but I also leave myself open to hearing where the direction yes. may be changed. Yep. Now, I do want to ask you kind of a controversial question, and you don't have to answer if you don't wish. But, hey, you know, our listeners want the honest truth, and that's what you're going to give me. Have you ever, on one of your postage notes, completed a task and then wrote it down just so you could tear the postage note off to feel better? <laughs> Not recently, but <laughs> but there have been times that I've written down completed tasks, you know, just to just to know kind of what I've accomplished over the course of a week. You know, there there are times you you feel like you're not getting a lot done, but when you really write out everything that you have done that week, you think, "Okay, that, that wasn't a wasted week. I I really did accomplish a few things." So, so I was setting you up for success there, uh, yeah. Matt. So what I want to tell you is I have actually done that a few times. If I'm in the middle of doing something and I get a task done and I look at my planner and I go, oh, I didn't even write that down. I just yeah. knew I need to get it done. I'll write it in, check it off. Man, that just fills my mind with yep. such joy to do that. So let me ask you this, friend. Uh, what in your life has given you the greatest fulfillment so far? You know, um, I think we all have a calling, you know, not not just pastors, but but everybody who seeks to follow God. And um, for me, my calling is real close to what our vision is as a church. And and our vision is to invite people to experience the life-changing love of God. And so when I've seen someone experience that, and I've had some role to play in that, you know, someone becomes a Christian for the first time. Someone decides to take that step of, of baptism. Um, someone, you know, sees their life impacted by knowing that God loves them. Man, there's there's nothing greater for me. I mean, that's what keeps me going. Those are the days when those things happen that, you know, I, I go to bed at night and feel like, man, I've done what I'm created for. So let me ask you this, Matt. If I understand your bio correctly, you actually have a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and molecular biology. Now, how do you take those two and reconcile to a doctorate of divinity and become a minister. Yeah. Well, so so I hate to correct you a little bit on that. I, my bachelor's is actually in biology, and uh, I was in a PhD program in biochemistry, and molecular biology. Oh well, my and, apologies. Uh, so I've got a master's. Better. I've got a master's in biochemistry. Oh my but, goodness, my mistake. Yeah, um, but all it does is sit on the wall. You know, I, I don't <laughs> use that anymore. Um, how that happened is, I was about two years from finishing my PhD, and. Um, 
you know, we, we had just been growing in our faith as a family and, uh, my wife and I at the time, and, uh, God just wouldn't let this calling thing go. And, um, you know, I reached a point where I realized, you know, life is too short to do something that you're not called to do. And so for me, that was full-time Christian ministry. Um, that's not the ultimate calling. I mean, you know, there are people who are called to be teachers, doctors, coaches, you know, whatever. But but if you're called to do something, that's where you're going to find fulfillment. And so I was on a path to, you know, be a professor, a teacher, a researcher, and uh, that that wasn't fulfilling my life. And uh, once I realized that, you know, it, it was time to switch. And so so I've got this, you know, fancy degree that doesn't get a whole lot of use. I mean, I, I can barely tutor my kids in high school chemistry anymore at this point. But but it was, uh, you know, it, it helped me learn and uh, helped me know how to learn. Um, and so so I still use it. And, and you know, people ask me sometimes, I, I've had people laugh and say, whoa, those are completely opposite things. And, and I disagree with that. You know, I, I think because God is creator, that, that when we discover you know, the intricacies of the human body and, and the, really the beauty of, of the world beyond what we can see on the molecular level. I mean, to me, that paints a beautiful picture of a God who cares about things from the biggest picture to the most minute details of our lives. I've always said that uh, God is so omniscient and omnipresent and, and such a miracle maker. He made the world in six days, as Genesis tells us. He rested on that one day, right? Yeah. Call that the Sabbath. But I will tell you, he cares as much about the atom as he does the whale. Yep. Right? Absolutely. So let me ask you a couple of crazy questions then. Okay. Who is your favorite historical American president and why? You know, when I was a kid, I I, I liked to learn about the presidents. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I have not focused a whole lot on politics as an adult, and so I don't really have a favorite president. You know, I, I think we can learn important lessons from all the presidents. You know, like like you said about me as a minister, they're definitely all flawed human beings. And, um, you know, they have a job I wouldn't wish on anybody, you know, to try to, to lead a nation, especially right now when, when, when the country has lots of different conflicting opinions. But, you know, they're even the worst president or your least favorite president probably accomplished some good. And and even the the greatest president, whoever that is for you, whether it's you know Lincoln or whoever, um, they they had personal struggles and they had difficulties, but but we're still able to accomplish, you know, some important things. So I know you're a very wise man, Matt, because you just picked my favorite historical president. I have been a big fan of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, and it's and it's only because the way he bootstrapped himself through his education, mm-hmm. self taught himself uh, to read with uh, very little tutoring, and then he also taught himself through law school, and and then he failed at a couple of things yeah. he tried to do, you know, running for Congress. So what he really did when he became president is he had the wisdom of those learned life experiences. Yeah. And he applied them well. Yeah. Uh, you see, I love that fact that he took our divisive country and he brought it back together for a common good. And we wouldn't be the United States of America today had it not been for the price paid by President Lincoln yeah. at that time. So uh, a little flashback real quick. I go to D.C. on business about every, oh, maybe six months or at least once a year. And I always go to the Lincoln Memorial. Mm. I read both walls, Gettysburg Address on one and I read those walls and really ponder what he is saying about our country and the difference it made. And then I just stand there and in awe, look at that giant, you know, statue of him sitting there. And and I just sit here and wonder, you know, had it not been 
for Abraham Lincoln, where would we be today as yeah. a country? Sure. So uh, one of the amazing things about that city. So, you know, if that's the case, then uh, well, what would you like to be remembered for in your life? You know, first and foremost, um, I want to be remembered as a good dad and a good husband. I mean, those are things that, you know, those are the people who are going to be there at your funeral no matter what happens and uh, who you have a, a profound impact on. But but I also want to be known as a guy who you know, took his faith to heart. And uh, it wasn't just something that I preached on on Sundays when I'm up front in front of people, but something I really lived, you know, every day behind the scenes. Um, just I want to be known as someone who, who loved the Lord and did his best to follow him. Oh, fantastic. So as we're getting ready to wind down, I do have a couple of really difficult questions to ask. And I know you will be able to just give me these verbatim, what your thoughts are. So I want to just ask real quickly, what are your priorities over the next 12 months and how did you determine what they should be? Well, sometimes, sometimes your priorities come from yourself or, or, you know, from your own inspiration. And sometimes your, your priorities kind of are dictated by the organization you're part of. And so, so this one is a little bit of both, but one of those priorities is, is helping, um, we're going to be building a sanctuary at our church. And so that's something that as far as, as, as real tasks, that's something we're going to be focused on over the next year or so. Um, outside of that, I, I have some, actually about 10 things that I'm really um, passionate about that I think, I think God has um, really stirred up in me that in fact, I just shared these with with our staff on on Tuesday this week, and those are things that that came from a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of um, really time spent with the Lord, and you know it would be things like um, raising up younger leaders, um, talking to the young adults in our church, and helping inspire them. It would be things like, you know, I think our church has a real strength in the area of prayer, and um, you know helping people learn to pray better. I think that's something that'll be a, a priority for us. And so that's just a sampling of kind of that list of 10 things. But, um, you know, those are those are the big picture items. So now I want to end this. Uh, Matt, you've been so generous in, in giving of your uh, information, advice, and your history. I love all that. I'm going to get a little bit personal with you now. Can I do that as the last question? Sure. Okay. A little bit personal here, folks. And so I want everyone to pay close attention to what his answer will be to this very uh, invasive question that I'm going to ask. What was your favorite Christmas gift received as a young <laughs> child, and why was it your favorite? You know, there are a few things that come to mind immediately. Um, one was a telescope. Uh, I, I don't know why I'd ask for it. I don't know what you know had inspired me to do that. Uh, but I, I just remember that that Christmas really well and uh, being excited about it. And the funny thing is, I mean, I think we use it to look at the moon sometimes. But, you know, when you look at the stars from a cheap telescope, you pretty much just see one bright light and another bright light. You, at that age, I didn't know what was what. And so I would use it. We we lived kind of across the valley from a mountain. And I would use it just to kind of scan the mountain and uh, look at things. And it, it I just had hours of enjoyment from, from using that telescope and, and looking around. And, you know, there were other things I remember. Uh, my grandma bought me a Commodore 64 computer back when no, those that were was brand powerful new. at the day. That was <laughs> yeah. powerful. That came out after the Atari. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I played on that a lot and uh, it was, it was fun, but 
you know, lots of great memories from, from Christmases as a kid. That's, that was a real special time. You know, I can always remember, I'm the youngest of six, as I said, and I remember the gifts got progressively better, Matt, as the older kids got married, moved out, and <laughs> yeah, those things. Right. You know, I went from getting maybe a pair of boots and some clothes and one toy as a, as a five or six-year-old until I was about 10. My oldest brother moved out, and I remember then I got a new bicycle, and, you know, things just got better. I got a motorcycle when I was 13. Things just got really good. There you go. So, you know, here I am asking my dad, like, like when does my sister Marilyn move out? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just how kids are. Right. I uh, want to thank you so much for your time today. You this has been so empowering to me and our audience. I got to tell you, there's a lot of meat in what you've said today, and yeah. you were sincere about it. I appreciate that. Because on Live a Life by Design, Matt, it's all about what your choices are. Yeah. And you made some very much premeditated habits and choices in prayer and solitude to help you build a day that you want to see happen for good. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I want to thank our guest today again, Dr. Matt Judkins, for coming in and giving us some insight on his life of how he lives it by design. And you can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your family and friends about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company, all rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. This is Jimmy Williams for Live a Life by Design. Now, go make your world bigger, better, and bolder. Bolder.